we're talking about how to win every faith battle and really what we're talking about is how to live and how to walk by faith. It's so important. God wants you to have things manifesting in your life that you've been believing for continuously. So what happens is you meditate in the word of God, right? Day and night, you put it first place in your life. And, and all of a sudden, a desire comes up, and you're believing God for this, and then the enemy attacks, and you're, you're speaking to this mountain, and this situation, and you're walking, and you're thanking him for the answer when you don't see anything in the natural, but you see it all with your spirit, because when God, if God says it, you know it's true. And then all of a sudden, while you're starting this faith journey, this faith battle in this area, this answer's coming. And this answer's coming. Like tonight, you know, I didn't realize that I was going to have to get off a plane, run a mile, only to find out that they shut the door literally two minutes before I got there. And then all of a sudden, I had to wait three and a half more hours, but I got to minister to somebody in the airport and, you know, and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, I got here. But it wasn't the way I thought it would happen. And I would have never picked that way. But it's so glorious to be here. I think it's amazing that I, I'm here because I shouldn't be here. And you guys would have been blessed, but God's faithful. Why am I saying that? Because what we're talking about here, step number one, we know, we know that we know that we know who our enemy is. And it's never God. It's always Satan. And we know how he operates. He's throwing thoughts. He uses people. He'll use circumstances to change what you're seeing, to make it, and it, it, just make it seem like there is no possible way. Well, listen, it doesn't matter if there's no way. Because God makes a way where there's no way. It doesn't matter if the door is closed. God opens doors that no man can shut. Does that make sense? So, so we know our enemy, and then what do we do? We secure the will of God, because in order to walk by faith, faith begins where the will of God is known. So now, whatever comes up in my heart that I'm believing God for, or whatever I'm standing against, you know, whether I'm telling a mountain to move or I'm believing God for a desire that he's brought up in my heart, I have to know his will. I have to find out what he said about it. So if I've got symptoms in my body and my body's hurting and, and there's things going on, I look to the report of the Lord and say, wait a minute, Jesus himself bore this 2,000 years ago, and it has no legal right in my body, so I'm going to lay hold of my healing because I know God's will. Or if I'm going through financial trouble, right? I know God's will in this area. And although I see lack in my life, I command it to leave because it has no legal right because my God said the blessing of Abraham would come on me as a Gentile as a result of Jesus being made a curse for me. Right? And so now, not only that, but the blessing of the Lord, the Bible says, makes rich. So now I know I must live in an overflowing supply. And then I read that my God will meet all of my needs according to his riches and glory. 
And then I read Psalm 23, and my cup will run over. And so I know his will is increase. So I don't care what I see. I don't care how I feel. Right? I'm going to believe what he said. See, the will of God begins where, where, where you know what God says. In other words, what we're saying is if you know God, see, God's word is his will. So if I know the will of God, I secure those scriptures in my heart. So that when, not if, when the enemy comes, I do just what Jesus did. I start by talking to him with three words. It is written. Right? It is written, Satan. This is a great way to start talking to him. It is written, Satan. I bind you in the name of Jesus because it's written. Whatever I bind on earth will be bound in heaven. I command you to take your hands off these finances. I command you to take your hands off my body. This situation, God turns my captivity. Right? So I, I secure the word of God. So, so now it becomes the foundation. The word is the foundation. The word does the work. I have no pressure on me. Satan comes to me and asks me how it's going to happen. I don't care. I don't know and I don't care. That's not my deal. So then I secure the word of God so I can answer him. It becomes my foundation. And then as I'm walking, see, not only am I to walk by the faith of God, which comes by hearing the word of God, but I'm also to step number three. I maintain a pure heart, right? Well, how do I do that? I am always looking on the inside of me. Holy Spirit, help me. Show me what I'm not seeing. Show me what I'm seeing wrong. He'll lead me and guide me. And, and the word of God, as I'm meditating in it, I realize that it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of my heart. And it divides spirit and soul. So the word will tell me if my heart is right. And, I'm, and I always know the first place to look is how's my love walk? Because not only am I to walk, by the faith of God. The word of God is my sure foundation. See, not only do I walk by the faith of God, but I walk by the faith of God in the love of God. Because faith works by love. So now I know my enemy. I know how he operates. I've secured the word of God, right? I'm meditating in the word day and night. Now I'm constantly maintaining my love walk, and I'm a mature believer, which means I speak the truth in, I speak the truth of God or the word of God in the love of God, right? And so I'm a mature believer, which means I'm constantly adjusting and repairing. Because Satan's constantly trying to pull me. And every once in a while I might say something that I know I shouldn't be saying. So what do I do? Father, wait, I just, you know, I don't believe what I said. I curse those words in Jesus' name. Or if you do something, Father, I just confess that before you. I call it sin like you call it sin. And I thank you right now. I just receive forgiveness for that sinful behavior, cleansing from any unrighteous behavior. I'm adjusting and repairing constantly. And I'm never allowing guilt, shame, or condemnation to draw me away from God. And so when Satan comes, did you notice in the, in, when Jesus went up in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, what was the first thing Satan said to him? If you be the son of God, 
Jesus, all these things that you have in your heart, are you really the son of God? Here's what he comes to a believer. All these things you have in your heart, Leanne, yeah, but what about all these mistakes you've made? Are you really, are you kidding me? Come on, you don't even feel righteous. How, how, you don't even feel like you're walking in love, so, or you don't even feel, and look at the circumstances. They look like they're getting worse. Maybe, you know, yeah, God's word is true, but you just can't do it. Isn't that just how he came to Jesus? What did Jesus say? It is written. It is written. At one point, he said, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. In other words, Satan, I know who I am. So what do, what do we say to that? Satan, by the way, I am. I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ my Lord. That's who I am. And all of his promises are in him, yes and amen. And oh, by the way, the word says I'm in him if the Holy Spirit dwells in me. And oh, right now I could tell you he's bearing witness with my spirit that I am the very offspring of God, the chi a child of God, right? So I secure all that. Now, what am I doing? I've got to refuse Doubt and fear, that's number four, right? I just, I have to keep the twins, the evil twins out of my life because I know they're coming, but there's a way to keep them out of my life. So now I talked about this two weeks ago, but I want you to go to Numbers chapter 13. So I know I keep doing this review, but the Lord just starts, I want you to see that faith is not a principle, it's a flow. This is how I live. This is how you are to live. I believe this is how you live. Yeah, but pastor, I, maybe in some areas. That's okay. Be excited about those areas you're walking in faith in and speak to those areas that you're not. Let the weak say they're strong. Let the blind say they can see. Let the poor say they're rich. Let the ones who are confused say, I'm never confused. Let the ones who say, man, I just don't know what God's will is. Let them say what? If we keep the pattern, I know the will of God. I know his voice, another voice I'll never follow, right? So Numbers chapter 13, verse 27. I want to go through the children of Israel again. Two and a half years out after they come out of Egypt, they're at the Jordan River. And they're supposed to cross over. Moses sends in 12 spies to spy out the land. They come back to give the report. They were never to come back and tell about the land as far as if they can do it or not. Because God already told them, hey, there's walled cities. The people are stronger than you. Told them everything. They were to go in and spy out the land. How should we take it? What's the best way to take it? Ten of them come back with an evil report. Joshua and Caleb had a good report. So now let's read. This is where, right where we're at. And it says, and they told him. Now these are the spies talking. And said, we came unto the land where you sent us, Moses. And surely it flows with milk and honey. So they're saying just what God said is true. It's a great land. And this is the fruit of it. They brought back fruit. Nevertheless, get that word out of your vocabulary. 
Never, get but out of your vocabulary. Well, I know what the word says, but. And you need, to, you need to finish it. But this is what I feel. But when you say but, what you just said is but, but God's a liar. Right, and God, God can't lie. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. God had been telling them that for a long time. And the cities are walled. God had been telling them that. And very great, and moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. Now, you got to, you know, to give the children of Israel a break, to go into a promised land, I mean, you're going to fight. So there's going to be this city, and they're not just going to open the door and say, oh, come on in, Right? They're going to try to keep you out. If they can, they'll try to kill you. So in reality, their life is on the line. Isn't that a lot like a believer who's been diagnosed with something that, that seems like it's impenetrable? Or we could say this for that, uncurable. Right? Or a financial situation that it, you're done. Your business has failed. What, you're, you're getting laid off in a job and you're never going to be able to make that kind of money again. Or nobody's hiring. Or you're too old. Or whatever the world. The world's designed to create fear and to steal, kill, and destroy. That's all it's designed to do. So, so to, I want you guys to see that the children of Israel were in exactly the same place as you and I are in right now. I wouldn't doubt if some of you are facing situations where they say it'll never change or, or, or saying it can't ever change. You know, this, this situation in your body or this situation in your finances or this situation in your life, I think it's hilarious. You know, Kenneth Copeland Ministries, they talk about all these guys on death row that are getting out of prison and they're pastoring churches. Isn't that awesome? There's one Rhema minister that's been ministering for probably since the 80s and he, had he was a drug dealer and I think he killed a Texas state trooper and there was no chance of parole ever and the governor pardoned him and he's in the ministry, been in the ministry today. He'll get up and preach and say, I've got a cleaner record than a lot of you people. The favor of God has been shown to change laws, to do all kinds of things, right? I mean, there's, there's situations here in our life that we face every day where there's no way out. But I got to tell you, when you're in Christ when you're his son, and when you get fear and doubt out of your life, which is real easy to do, you can walk in the dominion that God has placed you to walk in, in him, being strong in him, trusting him. See, faith comes. We let the word do its work. My job is to put it first. My job is to give the word my undivided attention. My job is to keep the word ever before my eyes and keep it in the midst of my heart. How do I do that? Because I always keep it coming out of my mouth. And then I just let the word do what it does. 
all of a sudden I'll start seeing the will of God on the inside of me and I'll know exactly what to believe God for. And then the Holy Spirit will bring revelation of the word of God to me. And now I know exactly what scriptures to stand on. And it's not like a little thing that might happen. It's exploding in me. This is why you want to walk in the love of God, walk by the faith of God, and be led by the Spirit of God. It's how you were made. It's the easiest thing you'll ever do. Living by sight is hard. Because you got it, you literally have to keep yourself first all the time. Even though down on the inside of you, your spirit's going, no, I want the word. You gotta constantly, have you noticed when you give in to your flesh, it's never satisfied? But your spirit, man, is always satisfied. See, when you walk with God, you are to literally, you can be at peace and rest where you are on the way to where you're going. So you could be in the biggest storm in the world and you're like, I already know how it's going to turn out. I don't, I don't know how. I wonder what would have happened. I mean, I wonder what would have happened if I would have just started freaking out. I'm never going to make it. Right? The lady, the lady at the gate that walked up to this flight that I just missed would have never placed me in a seat up front and, and, you know, so I could literally get out of the plane and, and you know, and, and God would have never been able to just be talking to me about, hey, don't get your bags today. They're already in customer service. Get them tomorrow. Just run down there, hop in your car and go. And by the way, God had planted, gave us a perfect parking spot. We decided to spend $7 more a day. And we're like, why are we doing this? But, but I got a parking spot just right as soon as I come down the escalator, out the gate, I walk straight. I walked across into the parking structure, and there's our car. I wonder, we didn't even know we were going to need this. See, God right now is working everything out for you. Everything. So they said, nevertheless, the people be strong. So now jump to Numbers, or same chapter, verse 30. So now Caleb jumps up and stills the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once. Faith is always now. Don't say you're going to get in faith tomorrow. See, because when you wake up tomorrow, it'll be today. It won't be tomorrow. I'm going to lose weight tomorrow. I'm going I'm to start reading my Bible tomorrow. No, no, do it right now. Faith is always now. Now faith is let us go up at once and possess it. Notice, I have to possess it because I already own it. So I'm just taking possession of it. But I already own it. Caleb, that was Caleb's attitude. For we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people. For they are stronger than we. Do you, can you see? They just keep looking at what they're not. They keep looking at the mountain instead of looking at their God. 
Because when you look at your God and how you look at God is by putting the word first and meditating in it day and night. Because then now the Holy Spirit, as you reverence the word of God above everything else in your life, now the Holy Spirit is able to bring revelation, knowledge of the word of God, which you will never let it go. I mean, I know there's a bunch of pit bull, spiritual pit bulls in this place that grab on and go, no, I'm, we're, we're becoming everything. There's a lot of people in our church like that. This is your time. We are going to take the land that God has given us. We're going to take possession. The church is going to take possession. I love that. It said here, we be not able to go against these people for they're stronger than us. Verse 32, and they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying... Remember I said that last time? They brought up an evil report, saying. You can't bring up an evil report unless you say. Right? What was an evil report? We're going to see. We're going to look at Hebrews. The evil report was they said that they could not have what God said he already gave them. He's already given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. So use it to change every area of your life. Right? Because the, bright, the more you change, allow God to change every area of your life as you believe him, the brighter your light gets and the more, fruit, more of your fruit you bear. And don't worry about, you know, don't, be, don't, don't do the false humility thing, which is really pride. Oh, well, I just don't need to be blessed. Oh, yeah, you do. Because if you're not blessed, you might not be able to reach some of your fruit. Does that make sense? So here we go with this. They brought up an evil report saying, and this is what they said, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof. Notice now what fear is doing. It's causing them, now there's no more about the good stuff of the land. It's all about the bad stuff. And this is what fear and doubt do. You'll start talking about the mountain. You'll stop talking about the word and you'll start talking about the mountain, the problem, and it gets bigger. The depression I'm facing is bigger, right? The situation's bigger. My, the anxiety, the fear, the terror, all this is, it's, it's overwhelming me. The sickness, the disease, the poverty, the lack, it's overwhelming me. My relationships, I, I just, I'm never gonna be able to move forward. See, what you're doing is you're, you're saying what you're looking at. You're designed to say what you see. So God wants you to see him always. It says here, And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. So that was a true statement. We were, we were like grasshoppers in their sight. But this next statement, see, fear and doubt will always get you to talk wrong. And so we were in their sight. That's not true. Last time I was with you, I kept saying Joshua chapter 8. 
But what I meant is Joshua chapter 2, verse 8. We find out that when God parted the Red Sea, the people of Jericho's heart melted. Their heart melted. They're like, oh my gosh. And 40 years, or or two and a half years after they heard of that, when the children of Israel came up, while these guys are saying, and we're like grasshoppers in their sight, they're over in Jericho. We learn from Hebrews, they're over, and from Joshua chapter 2, they're over there in Jericho going, oh my gosh, we're done. In the same way that cancer, diabetes, arthritis, Poverty, lack is just, listen, they saw you. They saw what happened when Jesus came out of the grave. They saw what happened when you got born again. And they're just like, oh man, they're here. Satan hates this stuff. But what's so cool is not only can he not stop it, he can't even stop it from growing. And we're going to preach it harder. And we're going to preach it louder. And, we're, and the light of the gospel will grow to where it's unstoppable. Because it is unstoppable. We know it, and he knows it. Right? So, but I'm never going to look at things too long, otherwise I'll start thinking, oh man. Because your flesh is designed to doubt. It's designed to, to go, okay, doubt and fear, come on in here. But your spirit, man just wants to slap them in the name of Jesus. No. I'm not moving, and I know you know you have to move. Right? And the more you come at me, the stronger I get because I have patience. That's part of my spirit. This endurance that I have as a child of God. I, feed, I literally feed myself on the word of God, and through faith and patience I obtain the promises. The more you push the more pressure you push, the more rest I walk in, the more joy I walk in, the more peace I walk in, until you're just throwing up your arms going, I can't do this. Because we're unstoppable. Why? Because he's unstoppable. The ten spies brought back an evil report. What was that? Ten reasons why they could not have what God said he already gave them. Don't ever say you cannot have what God already has said he's given you. They told what they saw. Their report was evil. Why? Because it was a report of doubt. We're talking about doubt and fear. The report is evil because it was a report of doubt. This is big. These people thought that the problem is their weakness, right? They thought, listen, the problem with this whole scenario, Moses, is we're just not strong enough. That's what they thought. Have you ever thought that? That's exactly what happens when you start looking at natural circumstance. This isn't working, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just not enough. Their problem was this. They didn't know God's ways, so they didn't believe that he was big enough. The problem was not their weakness. It was that they didn't know God's ways, so therefore they doubted 
they doubted God because they didn't know, they didn't think he was big enough. They were putting all the weight on it on their shoulders. Did you notice that? Have you ever noticed that if you're ever not walking by faith, that's exactly what happens? You start talking about how that you can't. This is not working out. What are we going to do? When we're, we're in him, this is all about him. The giants did not defeat this whole first generation. The giants didn't defeat them. Wrong thinking defeated them. Wrong thinking caused every one of them to die in the wilderness and not go into the promised land. Wrong thinking will keep you and I out of what God has for us, our promised land. Not our weakness, right? Because we're not weak. You know why? Because we're in him. I'm not even trying to stand in my own. I'm not trying to keep myself. He keeps me. Right? This is big. Most believers, well, I don't want to say most, because I don't, I don't like to speak that. But there are believers that will believe God halfway. They'll say, healing is really good. Right? But what else will they say? However, I can't be healed. The children of Israel, man, those 10 spies, yeah, that land's good, but we just, we just can't take it. Do you see the same parallel? This is huge. And I know I've went over and over this, but man, I believe this will come alive in our hearts so that you see as you're sitting here tonight, it's not something you're going to grow into. You've been born into it. Uh, you've been born a world overcomer. And you're designed to hear the word of God, which produces the faith of God in you, and now you yield divine results, not natural results. And now all things are possible to you because you choose to believe that God, what God says, is true. It's so simple. Joshua and Caleb were different because they chose to believe God. That was the difference. The ten spies chose. See, believing, guys, is not any feeling. It's a choice. That's how you got saved. You had to choose to believe. I just believe. Right? Do you know Satan blinds the minds of those that choose not to believe? So I'm going to choose to believe God. I don't care how I feel. I'll tell myself how to feel, right? Joshua and Caleb were different because they chose to believe God. So you got to see this. What we're saying now is doubt and fear will cause you to think wrong. Which, right? And then according to Romans 10, you get on that slide. So if I'm thinking wrong, I'm believing wrong. If I'm believing wrong, I'm speaking and I'm acting wrong. Right? And if I'm speaking and acting wrong because I believe wrong, because I'm, I'm thinking wrong, I'm going to get a wrong result. I'm not going to walk in the, what God wants me to walk in. See, I mentioned this before, but Satan brings doubt. He brings doubt to try to get you to doubt. 
if it wasn't working, why would he ever do that? Because it's not working. He brings doubt because it's working. He just doesn't want you to know it's working because you don't feel like it's working. But you can't feel faith. Right? But see, if Satan knew you were missing it, he just, why not leave you alone? Why, why, why even mess with it? I know when Satan brings doubts to me, I'm like, that's encouraging. Because I'm like, yep, I'm taking that thought captive. Boy, you're scared. He's scared. He doesn't want this world to see who you are. Doesn't want it. Right? It was funny, I, as I was in the airport, I'm sitting there and I'm talking to somebody and, and uh, you know, I'm on the phone with them and, and I have my earbuds in, so you know how you naturally probably talk louder and then I tend to be loud anyway, especially when I'm talking about the word. And so we start praying. I start praying for this person. And so you, I kind of look around and you see people walking by going, ooh, and this, this girl sitting next to me, she kind of got her stuff together and, and left and, you know, that's all right. That's okay with me. I mean, I'm not rude and I'm not slapping people with the Bible. But when, I, when they leave, when that young girl's leaving and people are walking by, the Holy Spirit's just going, you know what? Maybe three years from now, remember that guy we saw? There was something about him. Well, it was a fragrance of Jesus, right? Don't ever apologize for who you are. The world needs us. This is huge. You must resist every doubt. When doubt comes, you have to resist it. You resist doubt by judging every thought with the word of God that you've secured in your heart. See, this is why you got to secure the word. So when a doubt comes, I judge the doubt by the word of God that's going off in my heart that I know God's will. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm starting to doubt that I'm healed? But his word says I am. So when I put it in that filter, I'm like, no, I'm not buying that. Doubt, I refuse you, you must leave. I love what F.F. Bosworth, F.F. Bosworth wrote this book, Christ the Healer. He said, doubt your doubts and believe God's word. He would always say that. Doubt your doubts. So it's okay to doubt your doubts, but believe God's word. That's how we live. You must speak to doubt. You must speak to fear. You say doubt and fear, right? I speak to you in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you. Get, leave my life now in Jesus' name. You call it out. Father, I declare before all of heaven and all of hell that I have no fear that I will never die of this disease, that it's never coming back, that the money's here, that I have it now, that I'm going over and not under, and I'm going to keep declaring it and declaring it and declaring it. Why? Because let every man be a liar, but let God be true. Because his word is forever settled. Not just 
not just in this dispensation, forever settled in heaven. It is not moving. Because it doesn't move, I'm not moving. Because I am in Christ, or another way to say it, I am in the Word. And the Word is Jesus. Do you see that? Oh, we're a blessed people. Man, we're a blessed people. Leave in Jesus' name doubt and fear. It is written, it is written, it is written. And then you tell your feelings, your emotions, right? Straighten up in Jesus' name. And you'll see them. They'll do that. So now let's keep talking about this story. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 3 in verse 7. Hebrews 3 in verse 7. So we're going to read verse 7 through verse 10. I'm going to go through chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. I'm going to skip a few verses just because I really want you to see the progression of things. So chapter 3, verse 7 of Hebrews. It says, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost said, Today, notice how God is always now. Today, if you will hear his voice, that is the question of every day of your life, every moment of every day of your life. Today, if you will hear his voice. Get up every morning and go, Father, today, here I am, I have ears to hear. I'm choosing today to hear your voice. What does it say? Verse 8, harden not your hearts. Notice you're the only one who can harden your heart. Harden not your hearts as in the provocation. This word provocation means the day of testing. Comma, in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Now, right then, in the, oh, okay, so this is the day that the children of Israel were tested and tempted. No, 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 no. Don't get it wrong. That's religion. Let's look at what the Bible says. This was a day of testing and a day of temptation, and it happened in the wilderness. Everybody will sit there and go, well, see, God was testing them. And God was tempting them. But we know from James that God tempts no man with evil. And why in the world does God need to test you? I think he knows right where you are. If you look at testing, it's very important. If you, I'm going to do a whole series on this. So Satan will test you and he will tempt you to try to get you to let go of the word of God and be disobedient so that he can steal, kill, and destroy God's word will test you every moment of every day to prompt you into obedience to the word so that God's blessing can overtake you. See, the word tests us. You get slapped on the cheek, and guess what? Your flesh might get fired up, but if you choose to live out of your spirit, because down on your spirit, do good to those that despitefully use you. It's just there. 
right? But what, what the word is trying to do is bring you into obedience so that you can walk in life and blessing. Satan does this stuff, but, you know, just to steal, kill, and destroy. But this day was not a day. This is not talking about the day that the children of Israel were tempted and tested. Let's keep reading this. Harden not your hearts in the day of provocation, in the day of testing, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me. Proved me. Guess what the word proved means? Tested. Who was being tested and tempted in the wilderness? When your fathers tempted me, when your fathers tested me and saw my works 40 years, verse 10, wherefore I was grieved with that generation. So God was grieved with them. Why? He said, they do always err in their hearts. Now, a lot of times when we hear the word heart, we think spirit. But this is the word for mind. They do always err in their mind. Well, of course, they, the children of Israel, they could do nothing but err in their heart. They were spiritually dead. But we're spiritually alive. But we can err in our heart. See the word, so, so it says here, they do always err. This means they always wander. They always go astray. They, they wander and go astray. Here it is, the Greek word, or to, the Hebrew word, to be deceived. To be led into error. The children of Israel in the Old Testament, they would always be subject. Every time any circumstance was going the wrong way, they would go the wrong way with it. It would, it would deceive them and it would take them right into error. They chose it. Why? Because they mixed that stuff. They always said what they saw. And then they'd go run into Moses. Why did, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Let's go back to Egypt. So you got to see this. See, they erred in their minds. They literally wandered astray into self-deception. They were led into error. In the same way you and I will be led into error. Into thinking that you already haven't won. You'll, you'll, be, you'll be tempted to think because you feel this just isn't working. Right? I feel great for that four-hour sermon that pastor preaches. But then by the time I hit my car, reality sets in. That's when you, you got to realize you're made to walk by faith. This is huge. They do always err in their hearts. Here's why they err in their hearts. Look at this. And they have not known my ways. See, they didn't know God's ways. Then he says in verse 12, jump to verse 12. Take heed, brethren. Take heed, brothers. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart. Again, same word, an evil mind of unbelief. Now, this is the Hebrew word and the Greek word that's used for unbelief. 
Here in the Greek language, it literally means rebellious disobedience. It means that you are literally going, I know God said it, but I just am choosing not to believe it. And that's right where every believer is that chooses this. I got to tell you, for me to ever even think about not believing the word, this jumps up. Rebellious disobedience. It means faithlessness and unfaithfulness. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart, or you could say this for a New Testament believer, an unrenewed mind of rebellious disobedience, faithlessness, in departing, in withdrawing from the living God. See, when you choose to not believe what God said he's given you, you're departing from him. Is he mad at you? No. It grieves him. Why? Because he wants you to walk in the blessing. He doesn't get mad. He says there is therefore now no guilt, condemnation, or no condemnation to those that be in Christ Jesus. No, he's grieved because he can't get anything over to you in that way. I don't want to stand at the judgment seat of Christ where all of my works are going to be judged when he shows me. I don't want to see some, you know, 400K monitor of what my life was supposed to be. But I just wasn't willing to get out of the boat. I'm not, I'm not going to live like that. And you don't want to either. I know that, right? I don't want to miss God. It's, hard to, it's really hard to miss God when you're in him. Right? I mean, I walk with him all day, every day. If I ever start, my mind ever starts going, man, my spirit man will grab that. I'll start speaking the word. I know it'll get me right back. It says, verse 13, but what are we to do? Look at how we need each other. But exhort one another daily while it is called today. This word exhort means to call to one side to encourage and to strengthen. I would make it a goal that every day you go to the Lord and say, okay, I'm available to text or call whoever you want me to in my church family. I just want to encourage you, make yourself available because it tells us here, it says, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But what are we to do every day? Exhort one another, strengthen, encourage one another. Because guess what? When you send something to somebody else, guess who else you're encouraging? You. Right? Teach a Bible study. Guess who will learn more? It says, but exhort one another daily while it is called today lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So that tells me if I'm not exhorting, encouraging, and strengthening others, I'm, I'm a candidate to be hardened. This word hardened literally means calloused. It means without feeling. But here's the foundation of the word. It means stubborn. So if I'm not encouraging, encouraging and strengthening others, 
I could be moving towards being stubborn. What is that? Well, I know God said, but I just don't believe it. We don't want any of that. See, again, the love walk. You're living out of your spirit. You're living for other people, right? It's, so, so it says, not, uh, it says while, it is, while it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, verse 15 now, jump down to verse 15. While it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. So do you notice? You choose to harden your heart. Again, notice this is the second time we've heard this. Harden not your heart, and then it tells us what it's talking about, as in the day of provocation. He's saying, Christians, believers, children of God, you exhort others so that you don't become stubborn. Interesting. Verse 19. Here's the the icing on the cake of this chapter 3. Verse 19. So we see that they, talking about the children of Israel, could not enter in because of unbelief. How many Christians will not enter into the blessing of God. What keeps a Christian out? Unbelief. Because we don't build this in us, we will stand, walk, and sit in places that we shouldn't. It's real hard to stay in faith when you're listening, you're associating with, and you're sitting under stuff that's contrary to what the Word of God says. Chapter 4, verse 1. Now it's going to give us the end here, and I'm coming to a close. Let us therefore fear. Now that's a little vague. Lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Hmm. Let us therefore fear. So on the surface, the Bible says God has not given you a spirit of fear. So now we need to know, okay, what does this word fear mean? So when you look at this Greek word fear, it literally means let us therefore, it means let us therefore be cautious. That's what that word means. Let us therefore be aware. Does that make sense? Let us therefore be diligent, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. So what, God, what, what the Word of God is saying, so as we walk in the love of God, we're led by the Spirit of God, we're walking by the faith of God, let us what? Let us therefore be cautious. Let us be aware. Let us be diligent. Lest a promise being left us of entering to his rest, lest we fall short of it. Lest we fall short of a promise of being healed. Lest we fall short of a promise of being peace of being in peace. Do you see this? So we got to be aware. See, this is why we need, to, we, we need to live out of our spirit. We need to keep our spirit very, very sensitive to the Lord. Verse 2, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. So the good news was preached to the children of Israel for hundreds of years. God has given us this land. 
It was preached to them. And now it's being preached in the church for 1989 years, almost 2,000 years, we've been preaching the gospel. Right? So now it was preached to both of us. But the word preached did not profit them. Why didn't it profit them? Not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So the word of God did not profit them because they didn't mix it with faith. You, you've seen me teach on this before. Remember the little mixer? I see you all brought your mixers tonight. It's your mouth. The difference between somebody who dies in the wilderness and never walks into their inheritance and the person that just walks in and gets all of it, the difference is what they say. You have to mix the gospel. The gospel is the word of God. You have to mix the word with your mouth. In other words, the children of Israel walked around talking about what they couldn't have, what they didn't have, how they were in trouble, and how God wasn't for them, and how Moses, all they talked about was all this junk. But we as New Testament believers, right? Because we understand life and death is in the power of our tongue. We walk around speaking the word. It is written, it is written, it is written. For some of you, it's coming up in my spirit. You need to walk around all day talking about, I am a man of God. I'm a man of faith. I walk in the faith of God. I am led by the spirit of God. I, you know, right? I walk in the love of God. You need to talk about every day about how that you know his voice, how that I'm a man of the word. I meditate in the word of God day and night. Because that will draw, that'll take you, you're mixing the word with faith. I am healed. I am the healed. Father, I thank you so much that I'm healed. Satan's going, but what about your body? Right? What do you say to that? Satan, it is written. By his stripes, I was healed. It is written, I've been redeemed from sickness and disease. It is written, I've been redeemed from poverty and lack, right? And you keep mixing and mixing. The Bible says you'll go in and obtain your inheritance. Actually, see, how we obtain our inheritance is it overtakes us. What are you talking about? Well, because we're never chasing the inheritance. We're New Testament believers, Right? We're New Testament children of God. The blessing overtakes us just in the same way as the Old Testament did. How were the Old Testament believers to chase after God? By speaking his word. You speak the word of God and literally it's like a magnet. It just brings the blessing of God in your life. It brings because where his word is is where he is. It's where his power is. It's where everything is. I want to talk a little bit more about doubt and fear on how to get it out of your life. Probably the next time we come together, we'll see, and we're, we're, gonna, we're really going to talk about it. Really, I don't, I don't need to go. Sometimes we make another step about Thanksgiving, but real, realize this. How you keep doubt and fear out of your life is by living a life of Thanksgiving. All this is designed to where you walk around, and while you're just minding your own business, the word's talking to you. 
Nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. Nothing past, nothing present, nothing future, nothing in heaven, nothing on earth, nothing under the earth. Nothing can separate me from his love. You just get a revelation of how much he loves you. It fuels your faith. It enables you to love others. It enables you to love him. It's a wonderful way to live. Faith is a rest in these places and, and he was talking about how that he had to go to court and it, it's a custody thing and, and you know and he was just telling me how, how that uh, when he got over the fact of being mad at what was, what was being said and done God started working out everything and all of a sudden this lady that he was with that he had a child with started start, they started working it out when he chose to forget about what she's doing and just believe God to work and focus on what he can do to walk in love and, and to forgive her and, and concentrate on what he needs to do. It, it started, he was like all excited. Started changing. Why is that? Because love never fails. So I want to encourage you today. Hiding the word of God in your heart, loving God will keep you or loving his word will keep you in the love of God. It'll keep you out of offense. It'll keep you out of unforgiveness. You know, unforgiveness, man, is bad. It's like, giving, it's like, it's like wanting to kill your enemy by you taking poison. Right? Just, just give all this stuff to God. He, he wants to restore and, and take it. And here's the thing. We're not made to carry it. I have a big sense in my spirit right now that there's people here that are carrying stuff. And the Lord would say to you today, give it, humble yourself under my mighty hand by casting the whole of your care over on me. Because God will take care of that care. And what he'll do is he'll lift you above that circumstance. Don't carry it. Some are carrying mistakes that they've made. Others are carrying stuff that other people have put on and done in their life. Let's just give it all to him. Because see, if you're carrying it, he can't help you with it. Because he'd have to violate your will to do it. But if you'll just give it to him and just get in his word and allow his word to get in you, you'll walk out his plan for your life. You'll see more and more every day, every minute of every day, how much he loves you how he's able to change things that are unchangeable, how he's able to bring dead things back to life, how he's able to restore. I can tell you stories in this church of how God changes things. So anyway, I just want to encourage you with that today. I hope that helps you a little bit. Man, I love the anointing. The anointing of God is here right now to lift burdens off of you and to destroy yokes of bondage. God has a future for you. And it's a one, it's a glorious future. Amen.